Comic Book Tales is an immersive comic book experience for the new or lapsed comic book fan. I take a closer look at the comics that shaped my childhood and influenced my adulthood. Comic books are an amazing entry into another world and even provide the pictures to complete the fantasy. Join me for a new Comic Book Tales adventure. Hello and welcome to another Comic Book Tales adventure. Uh, last time I talked about the late Silver Age into the late 80s, um, beginning of the early 90s. So I want to talk about the the crash of comic books, specifically specifically because of Marvel, uh, honestly. Um, so in 1991, um, the X-Men were riding high. The X-Men were the most popular book at Marvel, the series of books. It was a, it was a grouping of books. Uh, and, and it became the, the decision at Marvel Management to make the X-Men the focus of everything. So they started to split out groups of books. So the X-Men had their own books. Then you had the Heroes group of books, which were the Avengers and Fantastic Four. Um, then you had your Spider-Man books. Amazing, uh, spectacular, uh, Peter Parker, Spider-Man. So you had you had your different groupings, and they were sold that way. They were par- packaged and marketed that way to those groups. So th- the thought process was, well, if you read X-Men... You probably aren't reading Avengers. You probably aren't reading Spider-Man. But if you're reading Spider-Man, maybe you're reading the Avengers, but you're probably not reading X-Men and so forth. So it was it was determined that we need to separate our, our audiences and really heavily market to those specific audiences. Okay? So they came out with a new X-Men book. And it had, I can't remember how many covers it had. But when you laid them all out, it was all the characters laid out into this long group of um like a big mural, basically. I think there were like 12 different covers, but some of them were very hard to find. They were limited supply. And it was designed that way. So Marvel came up with a brilliant idea that number one issues sell highly because the collectors had started to see that there was a lot of money to be made in these comics. They would, every other week, you would be hearing about somebody selling off their childhood comics for thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars because of the, their mom had found them in the attic and they were able to sell these for so much money. Well, what most collectors didn't realize and what Marvel probably realized but didn't care was those comics were so valuable because they were a commodity that had been destroyed. Remember I talked about in way, way, way back? These were comics you read, you passed around, you threw away, kept in your clubhouse, wrote on, scribbled on, cut things out of, you didn't care because they weren't valuable. They were just something to read. They were cheap entertainment, and you passed them on until they weren't readable anymore. Well, the collectors got in their head that, well, if, you know, number ones are important because everybody focuses on number one, so all the number one issues back in the 30s, 40s, 60s for the Marvel were very highly sought after and very valuable because they were rare. The, the stuff they were publishing in the ni- early 90s was not rare. It were, there were hundreds of thousands of copies. So you suddenly got books that people were grabbing, you know, 10 and 12 each of each book because they thought they could put their kids through college with them. But they couldn't because they weren't rare. Rarity brings higher prices, and they weren't rare. But you got the, the variant covers, which continue to this day less pronounced, but still continue to this day. And you started to get foil covers and gold covers and bronze covers and uh, 
lenticular covers and anything you could think of to charge more for the book and make it stand out from the crowd. We talked about that before as well. You had to make your comic stand out. You either get the staff at the comic book store to make it stand out or you make it stand out on its own. And everybody wants the cool one. They want the cool one. Well, the stories weren't any better. They were just in a cool package. Uh, And that that became reality when the bottom fell out, when the collectors realized, "Uh uh-oh, these aren't worth what we thought they were. We invested all this money. We're going to dump. We're going to dump everything, and we're going to stop buying. Well, something you might have been selling 100 issues of in a comic book store, now you're selling three because the collectors don't care. They weren't. They weren't coming in as frequently, and they weren't buying everything on the shelves. Comic book stores started to fail. Uh, Distribution started to fail. Comic companies, i.e. Marvel, started to tank because they had built their entire future on speculation uh, by collectors, and it didn't work out. So the titles started to dry up. The frequency of the titles started to dry up. The number of books published went down because they couldn't afford to do it anymore. And Marvel was in danger again, again, of ceasing to exist. They were able to sell off some properties. Maybe you've heard of Spider-Man. He's not owned in the the movie franchise by Marvel at this time. Fantastic Four, Daredevil. Strangely enough, Daredevil. Um, So Marvel sold off their bigger properties, X-Men, because they were worth something. And they staved off bankruptcy for a little while unfortunately by the late 90s they were bankrupt again so they'd sold off their commodities and they had gotten very little for them now remember this is the 90s these franchises hadn't seen movies yet you didn't see a spider-man movie till the 2000s you didn't see a fantastic four till the 2000s x-men 1999 so you didn't you didn't see all this stuff because it didn't exist so Marvel thought, well, we dodged a bullet. We sold them off. They got nothing. Nothing really happened. You know, we st- we're still good. Well, then you started to see the movies, and they weren't coming from Marvel. They weren't. They might have been distributed through New Line Cinema, but they weren't coming through Marvel. They didn't have Marvel's fingerprints on them. They had some Marvel people consulting, but it was a Sony thing or a Fox thing. Uh, those things were not done through Marvel, and therefore, to this day. You don't have a cohesive universe. It's like Disney selling off Mickey Mouse to Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah, you still are identified with Mickey Mouse, but you can't use Mickey Mouse in uh, a movie or in a cartoon because he's owned by Chuck E. Cheese. See how the problem? <laughs> see the problems here? So Marvel was different, but not in a good way. You never, you didn't see Superman sold off or Batman sold off for the rights to them. Now, to be fair, DC had had successful runs of Batman movies and Superman movies at this point. Marvel hadn't. Stan Lee had been toiling in the desert, literally in the desert, for decades trying to get Marvel some deals. And as he's working these deals, the biggest properties are being sold off to other companies for the movie rights. That's not good if you're trying to get deals, the most popular things you know of, and you can't get deals for them. That's kind of a problem. So Marvel decided to take things in a different turn. They came out with their Max line and their Ultimates line, and these were more adult-themed books. So if you remember originally, 
comic books were geared towards children. They were geared towards the children of um, the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, even into the 80s. By the 90s, it became more adult. Uh, even even the existing books, the non-max, non-ultimate stuff, became more adult. So you had broader themes, which in a good way led to complex stories. In a bad way, it, it led to raunchier stories. It led to uh, cursing in in the comic books because they're trying to be edgier. So, you know, you've always, if you're sitting on the bus and you got this straight-laced kid who who throws out a curse word, it seems forced and not natural. <clears throat> and that's what Marvel was trying to do. It wasn't natural for them, and they were trying to be the cool kid by cursing and being raunchy. And it, it just didn't work for them. They did it for a long time. They ran the max line with the Punisher and Daredevil to make them dark and brooding. <clears throat> they had seen what... Batman had done in the 80s. Uh, They saw The Dark Knight Returns with Frank Miller. They saw some of Frank Miller's other stuff, The Watchmen, and they tried to emulate some of that feel and that vibe. And it it never really worked. Some people tell you the the Max line was successful. I would say that's not true. Sales didn't warrant the success you claim they had. The Ultimates kept going, and the MCU today is based on the Ultimates line of the comic universe sort of it's kind of hybrid but it's not exactly but it's geared more towards the ultimates where nick fury is a black man played by samuel L. jackson versus a white man played by david hasselhoff in a tv movie so it 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 worked sort of but it didn't it didn't make them cool suddenly marvel didn't become cool what saved marvel truly was acquisition by Disney. And the acquisition by Disney brings us close to the modern era and the many things that come from that. So the MCU was conceived of prior to the Disney acquisition, but it was not implemented until after the Disney acquisition. So our next issue will wrap up this journey and help you understand where we stand today and what the future might hold for Marvel and why it's still different, good good and bad. It's still different, but it it's come a long way, and we'll do a conclusion of all that next time. So join me for the final uh, episode of Season 1, A Marvel Saga Journey, and I'll talk to you next time. I'm Chad. Good night. This has been a Hannah Tree production.